Oh. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 19 Min Football Network. Two wins in two games. Could you really believe it? Joining me to talk about yesterday's win against Brentford, we've got Stu. Hello. We've got Jafo. Good evening. And we've got Matt. How do you do, Dick? I was going to say, I, I feel like I've done you a disservice there, Matt, by just, Go going, just going by Matt. Do I now get to call you Sky Sports? Sky Sports. Uh, I, I, I consider myself more freelance. Ah, uh, don't, so, don't uh, want to be tied down to one. Don't yeah, want to be tied down to one company. TV personality will do. T- yeah. Uh, uh, what about professional talking head? Yeah, I like. Yeah, they'll do. They'll yeah. do for me. Mate. I've, I've, um, feel, I've been called worse. Yeah, I feel like we we need to stretch out a tight uh, like you know like on um, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You can get quite creative job titles, should we say? Sandwich artist, if you work at Subway. Exactly. I feel like we could mold something. Um, for context, for everyone who's tuned in live or is listening on um, on playback, big thank you for joining us. Um, Matt, as part of his, so- I was going to call it a side hustle. That sounds a bit nefarious. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, basically, like the Pied Piper of the Blind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that the official tagline? That's that, that's that's my LinkedIn thing. Perfect, perfect. Um, anyway, Matt was on Sky Sports um, uh, on the weekend, and would you like to divulge it a little bit more? Uh, yeah, so it was part of um, the initiative. It was the Wolfpack weekend, anyway, and um, it's part of a volunteer uh, service that Alan March Sport provide to, to give commentary to the blind and visually disabled in in the ground essentially listen to a little receiver you hear me and some of the other volunteers just to enhance the match day experience for those that um you know can't uh, see or can't see all of the games so it was a piece by the always excellent and friend of the fan cast johnny phillips and he followed us around with uh, some cameras spoke to some of the supporters who used the service and interviewed um yours truly so yeah it was a great uh, great experience no, that's really good. And is it true from I've watched it back a couple of times because you know I, I think it's fantastic what you're doing. Did you try and blink subscribe to Wolves Fancast in Morse code? Uh yeah, it was. I think I used American Morse code though, so uh, that, well, you can't uh, quite work it out. That that's probably why. Um I was gonna say usually I plug it at the end of the show. I'm just gonna do it now because that was an insanely awful. Uh, cheap bit of putting but if you've not already subscribed to us on youtube make sure you do so we we have got two uh 2000 subscribers now um and you know we're kind of consistently putting out new and fresh content every i was gonna say twice a week sometimes more you know we've got the fantastic preview show the fairly competent reaction show which we're doing right now and the always excellent goodies tactical analysis um we we're talking just before we got on air how we were in a bit of a silly mood but we're going to talk about Brentford um and us doing really well yet again different performance to one against Chelsea um in my eyes one of our performances of the season 
really? Yeah, I think uh, I think chiefly because of how I've seen us crumble um, a lot of the time this season um, is my is my main kind of takeaway for it. But a lot of talk was how we'd approach the game, considering how against Chelsea we were that little bit more defensively minded. So, in terms of the team, there was only sort of one change in it. Were you, were you all happy with it, Stu? Yeah, I mean, I, I very rarely re- react to team lineups on the Wolves Twitter account when it comes out because it, it's just asking for trouble a lot of the time. With it, it's a battle of the super fans and the permanently depressed eight. So, it's, you're the, you jump into one camp or the other with that kind of thing. And I just got to put like a little chef's kiss kind of gif up there because it was. It was what we asked for. We didn't want him messing about, and he seems to have learned over the last few weeks or so to not. He doesn't have to change everything all the time, and now we've got a semi-consistent team. And I thought, to be fair, the only place available was that that Sarabia slotted into. So I, I was strangely excited for a lineup, which has not happened for a long time. Yeah, it almost seems like he stumbled upon. Um... A, a consistent starting eleven. I think Jafo, we talked before how he'd kind of pretty much nailed that back four plus or minus Bueno. He kind of got an idea of what he wanted to do in midfield, particularly with Lamina and uh, Nunes to a degree. And we kind of just hadn't quite worked out that front line. But I don't know whether it's through, a, we'll talk Nevers in a bit, but I think it's mainly Kuna actually getting a bit of game time, but seems to be the thing that's kind of getting that spine of the team a lot more consistent. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that, because I think Cunha is probably one of the, if not the most important people in that, in that 11 now, because he links that the team up well. And the one thing that we've struggled with in the past, especially with under Bruno and um, even, even with Nuno as well in the past, his link in the midfield and attack has always been a bit of a problem especially because we've always looked to go long down the channels or, or look to, to hit the ball long to try and hit people. And to have this person who can come drop and pick the ball up deep and, and, and help to transition sort of between midfield and attack is important. And Cunha did that really, really well again yesterday, especially um, even improving on what he did against Chelsea as well, which was which was good. And he looks good value um, for getting goals and... Potentially assists. I mean, he, he made a couple of mistakes yesterday in the first 10, 15 minutes. He, he struggled to get into the pace of the game, but as he, as he went on, he, I thought he did, did brilliantly. And he's probably one of the better players on the pitch by the uh, end of the game. Mm, no, completely agree. Uh, we've had a YouTube comment come in um, to completely sidetrack um, any talk about Wolves. But, Stu, are you like £270 of danger? Or does, some, or does someone in W4 look like you? Now, I don't Where? believe you're D- W4. Where is that? I want to say w 4s Billy Wright. Billy Wright, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think... Oh, I thought you meant postcode wise. <laughs> I, yeah. I, part of me did when it came first. Yeah. Like, this chief's not from Penn. No. Is that, well, Stu, there, we, there we are. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm so not from there. I didn't even know that that's where it was. It's W4 yeah. Penn. I don't know why. Yeah. I, that's in exactly my head, where I'm looking, I am. You can come and find me and abuse me in person. <laughs> Billy Wright upper, um, as the commenter yeah. suggests. No, so, no. I, I was I was in Billy Wright upper for eighteen months when I was eleven to twelve <laughs> years old. Ever since then, I've been in 
J4 for life. So Yeah, I think I'm the only one from the fan cast who sits Billy right up. Yeah. Through choice as well. Through choice as well, yeah. <laughs> I was that, says say a, that. that says a lot about me though, doesn't it? I'm not going to lie. And that you've got more money than sense. <laughs> but he likes a nice view. <laughs> <laughs> and being able to get to the toilets at any time of convenience isn't like being in the Steve Bullupper. Never been a problem. Too Billy right. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like judging by Matt going to right and Stu going never been a problem we could go down a path about um, toilet situations but you know what let's not so my thoughts are on Brentford because I don't know I've been trying to work out what I think about Brentford for a lot of this season because they're doing Premier League but they've been quietly sinking like a stone um, the last couple of, well, last month or so, haven't they, Matt? Yeah, they have. I think a lot of people actually f- pre-game expected this to be the bigger challenge out of out of Brentford and Chelsea. And the form book, though, as you know, that wasn't making for good reading if you were a Brentford fan. Um, they, dare say, uh, you know, there's no threat to them of relegation, obviously with the teams around them just winning dramatically, seemingly all the time now as well, I think they're kind of, can we actually put them down, categorise them as the first team on the beach? It felt that way yesterday. Ooh. It felt like they were already, you know, there was there was so little fight in that team. I couldn't believe how kind of lackadaisical they were and um, how it just didn't look like they wanted it. And flip side over to a Wolves that really looked up for it. Um, it was a surprise because on paper, I thought this was going to be really tough. Yeah, uh, it's the first time since Brentford have got promoted that we haven't seen that shit outery side as much from mm. them. Like, but yeah, for sure. They, if I described them as like the modern day Stoke, not in terms of how they play, apart from they do love a long throw in, they have just got that little bitty edge to them where they don't give a absolute shit if they're getting pelters from a home side as they drag a game out I mean, they, they did try they did try yeah. yesterday, but i think we were just effective in the in the time that we had the ball and and mm. created enough chances to frustrate them well i mean to be fair the, the stats add up um across the game you know i i know uh thomas frank came out with some comments after a game that you know it was a game of fine margins but you know we we dominated all the all the key areas of what we needed to. We had more passes, we had more shots, we had more shots on target, we had slightly higher possession, and it just felt that Wolves got the mental side of the game right, which they've not always done this season. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think we didn't get drawn into their, like Jeffo said, their silly little games, which they were still trying. There were still a few like throwing delays after about 15 minutes, and there was a few times where they were throwing themselves to the floor and and we'll get onto it later. There might be reasons behind more discipline in the squad for a change. Um, but not rising to it, you could see that it pissed them off more because it didn't work. Everything that, all them thinking, things that they tried, the dark arts, just didn't work anymore. It's like, well, fourth times, <laughs> well, whatever the fourth time is, I'm going to think of it then. But it is like we've been done over so many times in the last couple of years by them that, it was never going to happen again under a different manager. And finally, 
at last. It, it was, they said bittersweet, but there was nothing bitter about it. It was, it was glorious just to see them wilt like they are because they have had our number. And mm. we've talked before about how shit teams have our number. We know that happens every year, regardless of who, who comes up. There's always at least one. But Brentford are just that kind of that annoyance, like Stoke were. You are kind of right with that, Rich. But they, yeah, there was, I think the, the discipline in the side helped towards nullifying their nonsense as well quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think a large part of that is that pivot in midfield of Lamina and Gomez because we, we, we talk about shithousery and I, I wouldn't necessarily call either of them shithouses, but they do not give a fuck. <laughs> and I love them for it. And I mean... Gomez in particular, how he just bounds through tackles and the work rate of getting around the pitch. I know he picked up a booking and got subs arguably because of that, but just his sheer disregard for whoever he is playing against, he wants that ball. And I, I, I love it. And, you know, obviously he's like a step beyond it because he knows what to do when he gets it back. He's not like it's David Davis, for example. <laughs> um and again, and Lamina just seems to be Jao Gomez, but 10 years on. Yeah. In terms yeah. of his experience and just knowing, let's say, you know, there's, there's points where just, he, you know, he breaks up the play, plays the ball forward, and you see him just progressing his run. You know what? Lamina, um, Lamina is the player that Gully thought Dendonka was. That's, you know what I mean? How the amount of work that he constantly gets through. It's true though. He's the only person in this in this group who had some kind of fawning for him. And Dendonka was Dendonka. He did Dendonka things not very well, but okay all the time. <laughs> but bring the one. But L- Lamina does everything properly, and you can see he's got quality and he's got distribution sometimes. Dendonka had none of these things, and he was a constantly six out of ten, with the occasional time where he did something fluky. Lamina is what we should have had. Four years ago, and we said when we bought him in that he's been with he's the player that we'd missed since Big Alf left us, and then we've got him, and look what happens. Wow. Lovely. I mean, I'm statement time. Problem is, part of me wants to disagree with it because I really like Ben Donker. You're completely right. We said it, <laughs> we said it when uh, no, we said it when Traore joined in the summer, yeah, didn't we? And we're like, oh, crap, this is a midfielder who actually isn't just chasing shadows or marking space and it's it is refreshing to see and i say it as someone who likes dendonka but you could argue they're chalk and cheese as players though right so, so some someone be the antithesis of stew please <laughs> there's no answer this is the problem <laughs> no, no i can't, can't i can't do it i can't i can't i can't i can't i would love to defend leander because he actually played well for villa um, when I when I when watching him yesterday in the early kickoff, he, he played fairly well, but at Wolves it's become stagnant, and the role that he's been asked to do ended up not playing to any of his strengths. So he's doing everything that he needed, he didn't need to do uh, badly, and everything that he could do, he wasn't doing. So he was mm. worth fuck all value. Yeah, I think I think Jafar is right. I think. Right player, wrong manager for me. Consistently misused. The amount of times he ended up being one-on-one against an opposition <laughs> goalkeeper was absolutely criminal. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I think he was a, 
history won't be kind to Dendonka, I don't think. And I, I'm not necessarily 100% convinced it's his fault. He had, yes. he had six months when he, after he came into the team and he was great. And then he messed up at Wembley and it was all downfall there. <laughs> but that is life. Yeah, I think um, similar comment on YouTube. Um, Lamina and Donk were used um, much differently. Donk was used much more like Nunes. Uh, don't miss Donk getting into the box and blowing it over the bar all the time. Because, yeah, there were points where he just played as almost like a right winger. And it was jarring to look at um but interestingly yesterday um there was a lot of talk about how Wolves would actually line up and I think Mateus Nunes obviously seems to have really kicked on the last couple of games and he almost played almost wide of a as a wide right midfielder um you know when you kind of I've pulled up for the audio listeners um, a bit of a heat map in terms of where he played. He almost played, let's say, on the right side in midfielder. Um, and again, it, it it just seems to have brought out the best in him. Hmm. I mean, it's been highly talked about his ball carrying ability, but he was found himself in attacking positions so much more frequently. But I think this was a more of a Brentford failing than anything because... They committed when they did commit men forward. I, I, it felt like at times we were, we were playing against like nine men because they they just weren't tracking back Brentford. And they just left us with these absolute cavernous acres of mm. space to run into. And I thought to myself, like, we're, is there something going on here? Like, Are we already three or four nil up and they're having to commit men forward? Because we just seem to have, I don't know if it's just the speed and the intensity of how we countered, but it just felt like we had acres of space and that that for for, for Mateus is just an absolute dream because he he loves to carry that ball forward and you know as we saw for um for the second doesn't make a difference if he's got three players in front of him because he'll dance around you anyway but when he hasn't got that space he'll he'll carry as much as he wants yeah i think Rico Henry was still th- thought he was playing for Warsley. He, he was that far down the line he was playing at the best cut <laughs> I think that was funny that Rico Henry, after what Billy was saying last week on the preview show, that Rico Henry went off the very moment that Troy Ray came on. Yeah, um, love that. Love that. I, I was thinking, about, you mean, you look at that heat map, and have we played with such a narrow midfield since the glory days of Glenn Hoddle, when we were playing with a diamond light? Um, because you look at the Sarabia and, you know, it's where there weren't wingers, and we didn't play with wingbacks either. But yet it worked perfectly. I don't even I don't really know what this formation is. It's just like, like a go on, Jeff, this is your area of expertise more than I, I, any of us. What I, is that? I, I, well, they line up almost like a four two 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 two. Um yeah. which I think if, if anyone's not seen um Tifo's latest um episode about Wolves, Tim Spears actually describes it perfectly. Um, but yeah, that they they almost play with two attacking midfielders. So Sarabia and uh, Nunes have got like sort of freedom to come inside and and sort of uh, drift into space as is needed, which is what we saw yesterday because we saw Sarabia often picking up it, the ball in the centre of the park behind Gomez and, or even Lamina at times. So that, that license to, to create space and to move and to play with fluidity um, plays to the strengths of the players that we've got, which has been refreshing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, th- the thing that sticks out to me and to, on the heat map is, A, how 
concise it looks as an actual formation, particularly when you kind of compare it to Brentford's lineup, which, you know, obviously they're chasing the game, so you're going to have players left, right and centre. But, you know, it, it's fairly discernible that there's, you know, two fours and a two up top. But it's how close your kind of key players are. So you've got Kuna and Costa, obviously, occupying the same areas of the pitch, which they, they had great link-up play yesterday. And you've also got your two centre midfielders playing quite tight together as well. And it's all, it looks a hell of a lot more balanced than games that we've seen first half of the season, arguably under some of um, Lopetegui's early games as well, where he's still kind of figuring it out. And I feel like <clears> that's paying a lot of dividends. And yeah, Brentford weren't great yesterday, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, it, it just feels a, a lot more system driven. It's just I, a, yeah. I, I yeah. thought it felt a lot more structured yesterday. Like the yeah, second that the, the second that Costa won that ball, he knew exactly where he was going. And Cunha was that he wasn't he wasn't an anchor in a defensive sense. But the amount of times that that ball was played into him and then spread left or right, and there, were, there was like little triangles that were being played, and it wasn't quite ticker tacker or anything like that. But it just felt so much more by design than by sheer fluke that we were getting the ball into attacking positions. It felt so much more composed than what we, we were used to. Now, the irony of that is when Neves came off against Leeds, it felt like we'd lost our shape and identity and we lost everything. But actually, we seemed really composed and um, we were sticking to a game plan yesterday without that catalyst. That's a probably a very apt segue to talk about what is somewhat of an elephant in the room in <laughs> terms of what do we do regarding Ruben Nevis because it has been a little bit, you know, no Nevis, no problem, which it is great. But taking aside what we should be doing next Saturday, do we think the performances for the last two games have been because he's not playing or in spite of him not playing? Think we've got that right way around, but are we essentially better without Ruben Neves, or is everyone just having to work that bit harder and things like that because our basically our best players unavailable? And I've I've been rattling my brain because obviously you know I could sing the praises of our centre midfielders all day, but Stu, me, me and you, we had a conversation on a podcast about a month ago, didn't we about you know, how do you get the best out of Mateus Nunes and Ruben Neves in this format? You know, what formation can you get the best out of your best players? And we didn't really have an answer for it. Yeah, and it, it was... We go back to that the tweet that I said in, when we signed all these players in January that Neves wasn't the best midfielder at the club anymore. Mm. And he's not. It's a, fa it's a fact. I don't care how much of a legend he is. That's, that's undisputed. But we can't be sentimental about things. You got to look at look at it this way. We're safe anyway. I've said all along, never in danger. But from a sensible point of view, you look towards next season now. Say, okay, one more win to be safe. You look towards next season. Neves, he might still be here. If I don't think he's going to get the move that people think he is, he's going to get same as Troy already last year. So you got to go with the premise that. And the understanding that he might not be here anyway. And if he is, then fine, we, you work around it later on. But we've had two games now where it's the most coherent we've had. We've played all season long in 31 games. Two of them he wasn't a part of. 
just happened to be the two games where we played really well. And you know, I know we've said that Brentford weren't very good and Chelsea weren't very good either. But we've had played so many games against rubbish teams who have beaten us, comprehensively beaten us anyway, despite being shit. So I don't think he can just swan back in. <laughs> we've got a system that works now with the players that are going to be here for the long term. You'd think, well, Lamina's maybe two or three years' time, but even so, you've still got Bubakar Traore to come in and play exactly the same kind of role. If Neves can't adapt to that, and he shouldn't, he shouldn't get a, a, a free pass to come straight back in. Absolutely no way. He starts on the bench and then bring him in later on when when Joe Gomez inevitably gets tired or booked, or Lamina needs to come out because we, we've seen that Neves can run around and tackle like the best of them at times, but. This without him there, look what's happened to Mateus. Look what's happened to Joe Gomez himself. Look what's happened. Well, the left hand side seems to be a problem with Pedence didn't really shine last week, and Sarabia was fine for me. I don't Dan and Luke obviously hate him with a passion, but for me he did nothing really wrong. But he didn't excel. But the rest of the team did, and Neves never isn't part of that. You can't then break that up to bring him back just because he's club captain and he's our top goal scorer by default because we shit. At scoring goals, it it just doesn't make sense to me. And I know it's sentiment and all that kind of thing. The same with Raúl, but you just got to move on. You just got to see what's actually there in front of you, and not play too hard all the time. And for me, that means leaving Neves on the bench and bringing him on later. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, the, there's two key areas with it. I, I feel that that I think Rich already touched on it beautifully. And the the key word for one of it is balance. It just with Nevers at the team, we have the balance. We mm. we've seen it. It's there for everyone to see. We get the most out of Nunes. We get the most out of Lamina. We get the most out of the forward players. I mean, it's no great surprise that Diego Costa now has his first goal, and and Huang is, has played probably better as well in the last couple of games, albeit off the bench. Um, and I think the second one is that there is an emotional discipline to the team now. The last two yeah. games we've seen mm-hmm. nothing of players surrounding referees, getting on referees' cases. Because, all, 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 you know, all four of us here, we, we're not exactly great fans of referees. We're, we're, and, you know, we all accept that they make stupid decisions and do stupid fucking things. But the way that Neves often, often approaches things by getting on and down the referee's throat like he's Roy Keane um, in prime Man United days isn't really helpful to anyone. And it isn't really helpful to, to the team and... and setting us up for failure and setting us up for making us into an emotional state that we make mistakes. And again, especially against a team, like we were saying earlier, against a team like Brentford, who are going to come here and try and do these sort of like dark arts things. If we get drawn into it in an emotional way, we're going to fuck up. And mm-hmm. not having him around has, has made everything a little bit more calmer and the team's been able to perform at the right in the right way. And everything's just seemed a little bit more consistent and almost a little bit more um, sort of, I don't know how the word I'd probably use to describe it, but it's, it's a bit more, un- we'd understand what we expect. It's, it's more expected mm-hmm. in, in the way that we perform, which is nice. So there's less erratic behaviour, I think is probably the best way of putting it. Well, go on, go on Matt. I'll- well, I think, I think we deserve everything we get with this fickle attitude. <laughs> to be honest, oh, give um, it some, giving it some Matt. No, I, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree that um, you know we 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 have looked 
like more balanced. If, I, I don't disagree with anything that's been said, but what I do, what I do think, one swallow doesn't make a summer, and two and two results don't necessarily change the fact that he's been key for us for so many times. But you know that doesn't that doesn't earn him a spot back in the side. Completely agree. I think when we're playing against teams where we we need to control and be calm, I think it's more beneficial to have that experience in an, in a Neves than, you know, I don't think you can say that Chelsea or Brentford attacked us in absolute droves and re- we had our backs against the wall and it was, we were incredibly lucky to get away with, with the victories. Um, I just, I don't know. Listen, he's on the Mount Rushmore Neves with your rights, your balls and your milliasses. He's up there. It's, there's no, it's, un, it's undeniable. And I don't think he should come straight back into the squad. But I think, you know, I think some of the narrative that I'm hearing online is, is it, it, it's it's in the extreme saying, well, we, that might be the last time we've seen him in the shirt and it should be and everything else. I, I just, there needs to be some, there needs to be some, some reasonable balance, balance to it. Much like the squad is, is needed. I think there's still a place for him in the squad. Maybe it's at 60 minutes. Maybe it's now in that Matinho role that he's filling where we need to see that game out. Maybe that's the case. But um, I think we need to, like, rein it in a little bit on this 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 anti-Never sentiment. You know what? Like, this is, here's a great one as well. This is the, the the internet sleuth of the Wolves Twitter fan. Oh, well, you never pull anything on about the uh, the wins on his Instagram. Who gives a shiny shit? Like, why, why does that matter to anybody? It really shouldn't make a difference. Don't let it ruin your weekend. Enjoy the win. Yeah. It's not like there's not Daniel Pudence putting fucking videos up of or pictures up of bicycle kicks that hit Rose Z in the North Bank. I love that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm sorry, that that is just quality content, isn't it? When you when it comes down to it, but you know, well, yes, I could have just you know played a simple ball back, but I did look fucking wicked doing the uh, you know doing a bicycle kick. I guess go off, pull it back to a couple of the statements on the, I guess, the not anti Neves side, but in terms of him potentially not coming in. Do you think that potentially his over emotional mental state, for want of a better term, and I, I, I know he has consistently picked up about 10, 11 bookings a season. A lot of it this season, obviously, is captain. Which, which does play a part into it. But do you think that a lot of that heightened intensity around decisions and situations has been impacted by how poor the team is? So he has been at certain points carrying the team this season? Uh, this wasn't an issue until Lopetegui was on the scene. Let's just put this mm. into context. Yeah. This this wasn't a thing until Lopetegui. So this is the perfect storm of Neves and Lopetegui. I don't think this is this is a this is an, an epidemic thing that we've had since he's joined the um since he's joined the club. So I think the way that Lopetegui and his backroom staff hasn't helped in this scenario and then Neves as Neves as captain maybe de- deploying his message then makes it a little bit more apparent. Yeah. And I th- I think say it didn't happen before Lopetegui came in because nothing happened before Lopetegui came in. <laughs> The whole, the whole thing was a shambles. What a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dan's yeah. hard at work, I see. There oh, no, that's go. not Dan. 
Hi everyone, sorry about that. Um, ghost in the machine, as it were, but managed to completely stop uh, the recording halfway through. So apologies for that, everyone, uh, because frankly, we got off on a complete tangent anyway. Um, so regarding talking about it. scandalous, talking about the Pope, and this is what happens, I know. isn't it? This is what this is what happens when we bring religion into the fan cast. I said it Cons time and time again. Consider yourself smited. Exactly, exactly. Well, we've all learned our lesson, haven't we? Um, let's talk about Diego. Come on. I mean, it, it's taken him six months of being on holiday, but he finally looks match fit. He looks fitter than everyone <laughs> for 60 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, look, you only had to look at that the little segment on Match of the Day last night, and that could easily have been anyone. <laughs> he, was, he was running around more than Haaland. He was madness. Where's, where's it coming from? And this is not blaming Neves for this either, by the way. Um, but this kind of performance has not happened for him. And he, in the last two, three weeks, all of a sudden, he's come from nowhere and he's now match fit. One more year. Go on. Anyone want to voice to a bait? Should we be signing Diego? It's not bait. I want him here again. Because... I I I'm not against I'm not against it personally. I think if the, the, there's obviously um, there's obviously value in having experience there, as long as he's not absolutely plundering the wage bill. And then there's talk about us having to trim the fat of the uh, international flair because of quotas and things of that nature. As long as he's not causing us an issue from that point of view, I think what he can add to the attacking players purely from a picking their brains point of view and and uh, and learning technique and stuff i think he can be invaluable and let's not forget the the sheer little amount of football he played prior to coming to us it's, it's probably not a surprise that he's coming into a run of form now about six months further on than everybody else because he had six months less of football yeah no, he's done really well. Like considering, like you say, he was out, he was he was uh, removed for six months from football um, when he signed for us. Um, and anyone's going to struggle to get back in two or three months, let alone six when they're at that age. And you know, he's he's at someone who's in the twilight of his career, and he's coming to probably the hardest league in the world for weight for fitness and and athleticism. It's it, any professional athlete is going to struggle so for airplay to him and, and even with the addition of the knee brace in the second in the second half i thought he did brilliantly what, you, what a performance from king diego when you, you say that six months really he'd been out for he hadn't kicked a ball for nine months and the year before that was in brazil it, it wasn't in the it wasn't even in la liga which is even less physical than here so you, you're going you're talking two or three years really where he's had to have this level of fitness to perform at any kind of level. And to get that back in the space of six months is pretty impressive. I mean, we all saw the, the video where he had the Wolves on the leads and he was scared. Um, and you look at him then, compared to what he looks like now, he looks about two stone lighter. And obviously he was enjoying himself on on, <laughs> on the beach in on like rally buggy things, which he was semi-retired, why wouldn't you? So to come back, put the effort in. Like people have said before, and when we've talked about this, oh, he's not here. He's not here for free, but he's having a great old time. He doesn't have to be. <laughs> he's got more than enough money in the world. He doesn't have to do anything. But he's coming here. He's running his, running his socks off. <laughs> got himself into this kind of shape. 
and well, you first, fair play to him. I mean, I know I've got that, that, that picture up there for the last few months as a kind of a semi-joke to start with, but I love the man. I even love the fact that he, he couldn't care less about speaking English to anyone. And I know he, he said that in the introduction video um, that Walls put out, that he doesn't want to be misquoted, and he clearly understands English anyway, um, and probably talks about it behind the scenes, but I just love it. He, he doesn't care. He just, he just does what he wants, but he does it in a playful way, and you can see, like Matt said about people around the dressing room and I, don't, I, don't, I guess he wouldn't be on massive, massive money at this time of his, his life and the situation he was brought in with. But if Raul's going to be off the pace clip by the end of this season, which more than likely is going to happen, even if his, his contract's just paid off and he's just a nice little way of goodbye for what he's done for us. But he's gone. you got Sasha and maybe Fabio Silva coming back. Other than that, we're going to have to buy another striker anyway. If you go into next season with Diego Costa, a guy who lasted 43 minutes, and Fabio Silva, who might not even want to be here, you're going to you're still going to have to buy someone. So having Costa, who's got a bit of continuity, why couldn't you have signed here in the first place? Remember, in his introduction video, he, he cited Diego Costa being an influence because he'd spoke to him. You only have to look at the video, the pictures and videos that Walls have put out in the last 24 hours of how much he's loved in that dressing room and the stories all over, like under the caution and things like that, about what a joker he is around the place. Keep him on, man. He's, I, I can't get enough of me. I love him. I love him to death. Do you think it, it seems to have taken a bit of time and I don't think it necessarily helped that he came in when we were shit to, you know, not be too blunt about it, but he came in unfit into an unfit team and you know it, it it seems to have taken that bit of extra time where he had obviously in, in my opinion anyway and i'm happy to be a bit of a prisoner of a moment he had up until january to get fit in this team and he was getting games he got stupid sending off against brentford let's not forget mm-hmm. which meant his if i remember correctly his breakthrough world cup ended early as well because of it and I was, I was sort of hoping we'd see this Diego Costa who we saw yesterday and we've had flashes of a little bit earlier coming into January but you know what you could argue that against a lot of the players I think in terms of oh well they're only starting to pick up form now you know even players that say like Samedo who he gets a bad rap I thought it was, I thought it was really solid yesterday you know, you know, even players like Kilman, who's had a bit of an up and down season, suddenly has stepped up again. And you know, don't it helps that probably his overarching um, theme of the episode in terms of systems, and they seem to all kind of know their jobs a bit more. But I know just watching him play yesterday, he looked slimmer. He didn't look as heavy when he was on the ball. Although one thing I did love was the turning circle for his goal. <laughs> Where he picks it up on, I think Sarabia chests it to him and he turns turns on the ball, and his turn was. I I I worked out it was about a ten yard semicircle to come all the way back round, whereas as I, if it was Kuna, it would have been about three feet or something yeah. ridiculous. I I did enjoy that, but as soon as he turned and he was starting to run. It felt very juggernaut-esque. Like, if any player's <laughs> going to get to him, he's going through him too. 
Um, and he got a bit lucky as well, which is something we've not really had much of this season from the goal. I know Thomas Frank mentioned it, that both our goals came from ricochets. Difference for me, though, is six months ago, or, you know, slightly longer, you could argue, under large, we weren't really even getting the players into those positions to get the, to get the ricochets, to get the goal. And we just mm. seem to be a bit, a bit more savvy. Yeah, I mean, milk turns faster than... Diego Costa. <laughs> um, I mean, when it comes to luck, it, when it with Wolves recently, if we had, if we didn't have bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. It's felt like, but that's a combination of actually getting yourself into the positions to to even test keepers and, and things of that nature. Um, I think the thing about Costa for me is, at first, I hate to say it, it just felt like another addition to what was an absolute circus of a season. Mm. It was like this just isn't like this. This just. This just isn't it, is it? Like it, it was a move we wanted kind of two, three seasons ago, um, and you know it didn't have a lot of hope of it of it ever really paying off. Uh, but then, as time's gone on, like you know, there's there's an assist here, or he's got himself into a, a shooting opportunity there, and it's just if it needed to come off someone's ass crack to go in yesterday, as long as it was credited as a goal for him, he would have deserved it. Um, and it's just, I really, honestly think this might be a, a final flourish to the end of the season for him. Like, almost break it. You know, Diego Costa doesn't need to break the duck mentally, I don't think, to start scoring goals. No. I don't think that, like, he doesn't, but, like, fate, whatever you want to call it, the universe, I think now he's got that goal. I just feel as a team, we just, the mood has just lifted. And, and I think this was now, I mean, to, Two goals in a game feels like it's just feels just feel, and <laughs> just feels unbelievable. It's just it's like it's like the stuff of fiction, um, and I just feel like the the weight of the world seems to be off the players' shoulders now. And that goal and the way that the the rest of the squad embraced the fact that he scored as well was just wonderful to watch. Yeah, and I think it, it stands to testament that we'd obviously gone a year without a centre forward scoring a goal. Yeah, I, I, I mean, weirdly, weirdly, I want to touch on what what Matt just says there about um about the celebration because we saw it again at the end when uh, Wang scored. How everyone came together, and it's it's almost like we've we've had this weird um, bookmark story or book-ended story of under Nuno, everyone was together. There was this lovely cohesion. That was a squad feeling. Bruno Large came in, tore it apart, and all the Portuguese players were sitting together, all the British and Irish lads were sitting together. It's all, everything fragmented. And it's magic. It, it, it's it's not surprising, but it's, you know, it's it's wonderful to see that as soon as Mr. Lopetegui comes in and says, okay, everyone's having lunch together again, everyone's sitting together, everyone's socialising, that we get a sort of cohesion and a team, uh, a team effort and everyone looks like they're actually want to be around each other again. And just the celebrations and everyone, you know, loving in on Diego and loving in on Huang and, and Nunes as well. It's just it's just refreshing to see see that again, that sort of love combined with some goals, obviously. Like you say, it's it's it gives everyone a good feel, good feeling. Yeah, I think let's talk about the goal because I I, I I I loved the little celebration they all did that felt like school children not quite knowing what to do. <laughs> That they all kind of got in this circle. It was like they, in my head, they'd had something prepared and they just completely bottled it. It was like, 
Let's just jump up and down in a circle. <laughs> We're so excited we scored two goals in a game, guys. But um, d- to pull it back to some level of relativity, I, I-, I tweeted on the FanCast account during the game, but I- in the second half, we really struggled in that opening stages to get a foot in the game. Mm-hmm. And Brentford were picking up the pressure, picking up the pressure. And... I did get a bit antsy and then see him make that practice of bringing on Huang and for it to sort of immediately pay off. It was, you know, it was Lopetegui's substitution, golden touch paying off, which it's not done recently. And again, just, just seeing the smiles, Huang is on, who's obviously gets a lot of stick from Wolves fans, but again, he seems to be someone who, if he can just find that little edge, there's so little separating that, last starting berth in the lineup at this point. But you know, I mentioned earlier, back four's nailed. Centre midfield is pretty much nailed. I think you could make an argument for whether Nevis sort of talked about earlier before the stream managed to cut out for me posting memes. Um you know in terms of I, I think you could stick Nevis in for Gomez and I think that the system would stay the same. Personally Kuna is a nailed on starter now because he just links everything up so wonderfully. And it was all, well, who'd you play at front then? And Raul's not hit the mark. Costa is hitting the mark. And it's not just for goals. It's what he brings elsewhere. Elsewhere, That's, you know, why I'm saying it. So it's just that kind of left midfielder role. And say, how do you separate Sarabia, Podence, um, Hwang and Neto? There's not an awful lot in it. So it only takes someone who can actually, you know, be that poacher. Some uh, comments um, on, on the live stream. Frank is an opportunistic, uh, the most opportunistic since Doc. Smart dude. And that's where he thrives. Player formation that's going to get him into the box. And, you know, I, th- I feel remiss because I've talked all about, you know, sorting out the team. And I've not really talked about uh, Matthias's influence on the goal because that was ah, it was just wonderful to see a right winger gliding through plays and then pick out a ball in the middle of the park beautiful (laughs) yeah i mean pep guardiola doesn't come out with comments about him being the one of the greatest youngest talents in football for the sake of it you know what i mean whether it's just been time system formation that's just need something's needed to change but you know whatever it's took a means to an end. If he's coming into the to the form at the end of this season, let's just let's enjoy the ride for the rest of the season. And you know, I think the one thing that we'd say about Lopetegui and his team and the mentalities, I don't think even when we're safe, it'll be an on the beach scenario. And I think we can just try and enjoy the rest of the season as much as we can. Yeah, I think I think on the beach. If you look at the, the league at the minute, I mean, if, if when Villa stop annoying everyone and just fall and drop like a stone, I mean half the that middle section of the league could all be on the beach together. It could be like need in its last for for sand capacity, but it's it's weird because you look at the and you mentioned it earlier about being on the beach. I don't think any one of these players now would even contemplate it because they're not going to get back in if they try that stuff. Mm. And we've seen it. So we've seen it with Pedence being dropped from the squad completely and then being brought back in. We've seen it. With whatever the hell's happening with Eight Nuri, <laughs> again, he he was tried on the left hand side of midfield. It's like England with Steve Guppy there in the nineties. 
it's it's our weak spot because there's no one left to fill it, and who knows what who's going to be put there. But yeah, it's. I think Nunes yesterday was the player that we all thought we were going to get in August, and yeah, with him, it's took a lot of time as well. And like we've said before, we'd like it, Jota was a freak. He took to it straight away. Neto, he took him six, seven months first time before he got knackered. A lot of these players come from different countries, and it takes them time to adapt. And like you said, Rich, he, with Costa, he came into a shit team at a shit time. Everyone was unfit. He was our shining light, and he couldn't do anything because everyone else was just appallingly bad. He got dragged down to their level as well, and it's took him time to adapt. And I think he was probably better yesterday than he was against Chelsea for me. Um, I thought he was absolutely superb. Yeah. That seems more than fair to me. Um, we've given a lot of praise to the midfielders, a lot of praise to the forward players. The defence has got to be worth a mention as well, though, right, guys? Two clean yeah. sheets as well. Mm. Imagine how many, uh, how much Dixie's chicken they had yesterday. <laughs> Il Capitano, Maximilian. Def- my, I feel my, 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 my than Tony looked like he was still playing in fucking League One. Yeah. What a f- legend. Honestly, I mean, he... he pocketed him yesterday absolutely that is the proverbial pocketing yeah he didn't do fuck all apart apart from it the bar and get chanted about the one where he tracked him all the way back as well mm-hmm. and i thought oh, he's gonna get a pace here and, and somehow he didn't and he, he, he put in a brilliant tackle in the end as well and you're right owen tony doesn't get ruffled up like that very often and people kind of give him a bit too much respect for what he's I suppose he's earned it, but people kind of stand off him. And Kilmer did the opposite yesterday. He just, he just chased him everywhere. And to be fair, when he didn't do it, Lord Totty did instead. So <laughs> we've got it covered on that left-hand side. Sorry, I'm pausing because of the Lord Totty. It was, a lo- it was lovely, though. So it was good. I was going to say, I, I, I think it's fair as well. because just... Next to King Kilman. Lord yeah. Totty works perfectly. Yeah. Do you do a lot? Do you have um, Duke Dawson? Duke Dawson as well. How? How? That how? Would be silly, wouldn't it, Rich? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Dawson Dawson doesn't need a title, does he? He's just he's just King Dawson. Craig. He's just, he's <laughs> Craig. He's just Craig. He plays in the Raffles. He's he's so under under. He's so. Okay, you can't even say un, underwhelming, can you? Because he's not. Because he's, he he completely dominated again yesterday. I thought he was back to his best. Mm. But he's so he's so Dawson. He, he, he's just he doesn't deserve a title. He's just Dawson. That is what he is. He, uh, he is so. Um, I say un- unassuming. It's the wrong word. I can't. I can't quite pin the, it in terms of Dawson. There's no just, word for him. It's just, just Dawson. Does his job? Yeah, I think there's <laughs> there's there's four defenders in in like the modern era of Wolves who are all coming the same boat. That's Dawson Williamson. Um, Craddock and Breen, and they just—they're all the same. Yeah. They're just—they're just there. They do their job properly. That you know what you're going to expect, and they just do it to the best of their ability. So it's just—that's exactly what Craig is. You know, Dawson has just been incredible since he's come in, and a total breath of fresh air because you—the consistency has just been there, apart from a couple of games where he, he dips, but it's come straight back up again. 
It's funny because, mm. like, for all the things that you say, like, the, like the no nonsense stuff, he couldn't be called anything other than Craig. Could he? Yeah. Like, there's no name yeah. that, like, <laughs> like, unless unless he was like a Keith or <laughs> maybe a Simon or something like that. But like, there's like, it's just the right name, isn't it, for the kind of player that he is? Has a, has a player ever been named better than what their attributes dictate? Yeah, it feels it, it it like there is a level of normative determinism with him there. Like, Craig Dawson's never going to be a flying left winger in my eyes. He doesn't even have a middle name. It's just <laughs> Craig Dude, Dawson. I love how we've both just jumped on Wikipedia to see if we can find it. <laughs> just, he, he doesn't need one because he's just Craig Dawson. It's Craig Dawson. Sorry <laughs> to any Simons or Keiths. I'm sure you have a dazzling <laughs> creative. <laughs> um... As I say, we will talk about Tony Gomez because I'm I'm still trying to work out if I'm sold on him him being left back or not. And but he's done everything right yet again. I think it's good. You know, I know Gully's a, a big fan of his, and you know, just point out a bad game he has, and you can't like he can sometimes look a little bit clumsy on the ball. But I think him being at left back, he seems to have got that side of his game a bit more nailed down in terms of. Possession, I think it potentially helps for when he's getting the ball, he's getting out wide as well, maybe. I, I don't quite know, but again, he he's just somebody else who, who is improving under Lopetegui. There was a great point on Twitter, I, I can't remember who, who put it on, to be honest, um, who said that he was a left-back at Estoril. Oh, <laughs> OK. And it, it, the link, the link, um, there was a link to the article saying interest in Estoril left, I think it was Estoril, Left back Toti Gomez, and I thought, well, yeah, when he was nineteen, <laughs> so he ha- he has played left back before, actually properly, and he was there. <laughs> That's one of his actual positions that he plays football in. So he hasn't just been shoehorned in there like what we did to Cody, to great effect, obviously. Um, so we, when you look at that, you think actually it's no surprise that he's actually playing well because it's one of his positions that he can play in. Yeah, who who'd have thought it, eh? I, 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 I'd have still probably. I think if Bueno's fit, who would you start though? Because I think he's still working his way back to fitness. Bueno, right? It's the same situation for me. You don't you don't mess with a winning team that's playing well until mm-hmm. he does something wrong. You don't bring anyone else in. Do you think that a lot of Lopenegi's, um rotation has just been because of that though? It almost for counting chip that. You know, either it's fitness or the team just isn't fitting. And now that we have got a team that's fairly consistent in terms of its output now, we say there's, there's no real need to do lots of changes. It feels a very odd odd situation to be in because we've not really experienced it for about a year at Wolves. Mm. I, th- I think it's a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario. I think he was criticised and rightly so for kind of throwing... S- throwing squads at the wall and seeing what sticks and then after being forced to make random tombola substitutions at 60 minutes or half time to then try and rectify the mistakes of the starting lineup. But then like you mentioned earlier with the fact that he, the substitutions that he made in the game yesterday were all came right because we had it right to begin with, because we had, a you know, that, that, that winning consistent squad that we're playing so much better. So um, yeah, when it comes to the the lineup going forward, I think you have to kind of 
you can't you can't change a winning formula it'd be mad to you don't you don't broke you don't uh fix what isn't broken yeah i think it's gonna be really uh, i think the um get game against Leicester is gonna be really interesting regarding that just because as you said we, we we've almost got an abundance of choice now before and oh, it's, it's, it's such a hard, hardship to be in now and you know all, all of a sudden two wins off uh, you know two wins in two games against two teams who you know let, let's face it are above us in the league we don't necessarily have us pegged down to win that but it's major table look a hell of a lot nicer going into you know last seven games of the season for us we are seven points clear of the drop with pretty healthy goal difference as well compared to Forrest as well, who lost yet again. Um, <laughs> and, and again, our, our, our next two games, Leicester, which, who are in absolute freefall, and also Palace as well. And, you know, obviously our, we know that the last few games of the season we've got are against predominantly against teams higher than us, but... The tables look an awful lot nicer now that there's that substantial gap between us and the relegation zone, right? Yeah, totally deserved as well. I mean, we've been since, and I will keep barking on about it, but since the since the World Cup, we've been the most consistent team, and and the proofs in the pudding. We've we've risen up the table relatively quickly, and we've consistently stayed between thirteenth and fifteenth. We haven't really dropped below that point. And it's all been dead to the good work that, that's gone on on the pitch and in obviously behind the scenes. You know, you look at Forest, you look at Leicester. Uh, Forest now ten games without a win. Leicester nine games without a win. It, it's there that everything's there to see. You know, everyone else around us isn't performing at any sort of level other than surprisingly Bournemouth at the moment. And the, the, the results are giving the rewards and. I know Stu's obviously said that you know in the past that we'd be ready, we'd be safe by this point, and, and you know you're saying we, you've never been concerned about safety, and which is you know a nice, a, a similar sort of boat, but it's nice to see we're sort of getting to that point where we can almost be mathematically safe. You know, seven points out of Forest with seven games remaining, it's going to take some minor minor uh, miracle for them to to pull themselves out of it now, which is real nice. Yeah, and I think it's not just them, is it? You look at that table, it's going to take a minor miracle from so many teams to drag us into it. That <laughs> that's That was kind of what my thinking's been all along, really, because Southampton are gone. There's no way. I mean, they're, they're just... You don't really know what's going on there. It looks like they've gambled on youth and it hasn't worked at all. And it's too much, too much churn over the years and it's finally caught up with them. Leicester... I still think that squad is not as bad as that position, say, in 19th, really. Um, and I fully expect us to be that to be tougher next week than the last two weeks have been for us. But Everton, Everton are Everton, that's where they are every year, no surprise. Leeds are dropping like a stone, as are a few others. I mean, Bournemouth, I've still got a feeling that Bournemouth are not as safe as people think they are, even though Gary O'Neill's gone on a really good run with them recently, but yeah, I, that's why it, it's all been arrogant. It's just I just generally didn't think that so many teams would be able to put a run together to catch to do to better what we were doing, and it's kind of been 
proved that the last few weeks. I mean, yeah, we should be probably about six points higher up than losing stupid points against shit teams, but that's the Wolves way. Eh? We, we're used to that. But yeah, it's when you when you say uh, who would you put your money on to go down now, other than Southampton, Forest, probably. Then the third one is still really open for me. Yeah, I think I think there's still a lot of football left to play for for his teams behind us. It, I think we are all but clear now in, in terms of relegation, just because of the amount of teams who need to overtake us, and you know, seven points with seven games to go against teams who don't average a point a game. Mm. I think that 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 last win comes against Palace. To be honest, I think Leicester yeah. will will probably be able to be be a, be a really tough test and i think under the lights at molyneux would be just a fitting way to kind of cap off the relegation battle for us really and um hopefully that'll be the case anyway but uh i think that that fraud dice is going to be everton's undoing stuart kenneth you've, you've pulled me onto a nice tangent there um, but before we do so, um question I had around Diego Costa, because I've got a clip of the goal um, of him burying one home, as you can see. Uh, lovely fan cam footage. Um, what I think's from the away end, um, which is always fun. Now his knee brace that made him look like a footballing warrior. When did that come on? Was that at half time? Was that midway through the game? I have managed to not pick that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain it must have been half time, yeah. It, it must have been, but you, you got to remember he went down in what looked like a very bad knee injury a few games, not many games ago now. Yeah, and even at you know uh, his his tender age of thirty four, um, he's got uh, Diego Costa's got to good. a point where he's you know it's just between falling and having a fall when he goes down. Terms <laughs> of a football life, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is it is the easiest way I can put it? Um, we've had one question from Twitter Corner this week, um, which is from um, Tom Galvert. Um, it says, if, if, if Everton do go down, uh, do you think we'll get the reported five million for Cody from another club, or is value dipped below uh, what we initially thought was a bargain fee from the Toffees in the summer? Because we're still going to have to deal with that situation at some, you know, in in a couple of months' time, aren't we? That's a great question. I hadn't even thought about that either, to be honest. They've been playing from them, has he? I mean, obviously, Deutsch's gone in there and realised what a kind of fraud it is, um, that he can't play in the back four, and he's actually not very good anyway. And he, he thrived in a system that was built around him for a reason. That's why he played really well for us. When that changed, he didn't. And it's been no surprise that he's been found out there. I'd... I don't know what he is anymore because you take that away. He can't play in a back four. He can play in a back five for a certain type of team. Maybe that is a championship one. Everton can't spend any money if they go down. They can barely spend money if they stay up, let alone anything else. They'd be, they'd be on freeze and all kinds of academy kids if they got relegated. There's no way on earth they could spend any money at all. But that is the question, eh? who, who comes in for him? Because would Burnley have him? We're only having, having just romped to the championship, well, title eventually. Would Sheffield United, if they go up, would, wouldn't have thought so. I know he's played there before years ago, did he? Yeah. Um, you're looking at 
promoted teams for somewhere for him to go because I don't think he's good enough for anywhere anyone else. I think it's, it's I think it's a really awkward one, and because you say like, has he manufactured? You know, <laughs> still with the, um, so, you know, he excelled in a made up position, which, yeah, you know, it's the only way I can potentially see it works is if he goes to a team who are a bit of a project, or if he goes to, uh, I don't know, one of the teams who get relegated this season. Who decide and he takes the gamble on team who are going to go back up and say he can provide that lead. Let's say Southampton, who are slightly devoid of that leadership, particularly if they lose Ward Prowse. Um, in, in being, a, I don't know. I think I think it's going to be a really tricky one. Uh, realistically, though, do we see a do we see a future from the Wolves? Is your side of the question, and I guess the answer is a, a no round the table. It's yeah. it's what they do with him is the the thing more than anything else. I don't think he's, I don't think there's any any way on earth that he's got a future here anyway. But would he, after all the the kind of shit talking that his family have done, I know it's not come from him. So before that, people <laughs> jump on me for that. There's one, yeah, we could send him to grasshoppers. That'd be fun. Um, but knowing his personality and that kind of thing, we've we've kind of got that in Dawson now. Who's already mm. been doing the? He was doing the community stuff in the week, and the, well, last week. But the, the video came out this week, um, so we've got a leader already. And Kilman's kind of thriving now. Is in the last couple of games as captain. Weirdly enough, which we know not. I don't think any of us thought he could do that role really. No. Um, but he, someone like Cody doesn't. I don't see how they how he can come and back into a squad that he's kind of bitched about in a kind of indirect way it's just it's a really odd one and do we bring bomb squad 3.0 in just for him i doubt it because we're not that kind of club anymore so it's it's just awkward for everyone involved especially with he's probably got about two years left on his contract i mean it might be a case he moves abroad that'd be the um the other side of it um i don't know time time will tell and plenty of it um in my opinion but before we wrap up the show um Wanted to make a really big mention, which I probably should have done before, you know, recording cut out halfway through the show. But at the start of June, um, Friday the 2nd, we are having a charity football match. So it's Wolves Fancast and Friends versus Upload United. And I bet you're wondering, who are Upload United? Have they rivals to hashtag United? No, sir, Bob. So a couple of years ago, um, the Fancast played a team of... Uh, other Wolves content creators this year we're playing against other content creators from other clubs so we've got the likes of Anfield Rap joining us um, and putting their wits against us where some other really fantastic um, um, podcasts, YouTubers um, and the likes um, of some who are featured on our channel as well. It's all for a fantastic cause. Um, all the proceeds are going to go to Mind Charity. As I mentioned, it's the start of June, um, so we've still got a bit of time to go there. Um, if you want to donate to what will be a great occasion, there is a link in the YouTube description on both the part one of the episode and part two. Yes, that is how we are rebranding it. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> um <laughs> But genuinely, it's for a fantastic cause, um, and it should be a fantastic day. Uh, Matt, 
you played in the last game. Um, I did, yeah. After we mercilessly dispatched of the other content uh, creators for Wolves, we've widened the net uh, to make it kind of even bigger, an even bigger occasion. And it's it's a charity that is very close to the hearts of um, a lot of us on the fan cast. And, uh, you know, if all you want to um, get from it is just watching us flail around on a pitch for (laughs) 60 minutes... um, then that's absolutely fine. I probably will give away another penalty. Um, so if you want to see that, come down, <laughs> watch it, uh, get involved in any way you can. You know, there'll be certain things that we're doing on the run up to um, the game to help people get feel more involved as well. So it's a fantastic cause as well. And um, yeah, look forward to uh, sharing updates with you as we can. Now, I know, uh, Stu, you're not playing, you've retired from football. I'm away <laughs> because. I, I am. I have dreadful luck when it comes to booking these things and booking holidays far in advance. Your I phone. Am, I, you're... I am actually yeah. away as well. I mean, I, I could have been. I could is have this been the packed... annual... Are you yeah. on the annual trip? No, no, no. That is the annual trip is later on in the uh, summer holidays. But no, I yeah. am. In, I'm in Weymouth, so as far away oh. as, as possible. So I could. I could have been strapped up. Um, I mean, almost like when. No, no. Let's not go there. Um, yeah, I am away, so that's why I, was, I muted myself this this week after the cream egg farce. No, careful, PG rated. Yeah, I am away, so that's why I'm not there. Fair enough. But Jafo, you're you're making your debut for Team Fancast and first time playing at Molyneux. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I mean having an opportunity like that is just, you've, yeah. You've, 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 Turned out 321 on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back, back, back in my, my not, glory days, you not know. Not a competitive fixture. <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a great opportunity, you know, to to do something so amazing. I'm, I'm just I'm glad to still be around to 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 you know be a part of it and and you know without going too much into like everything that's happened in the past few years, but um, I'm glad to still be here and to 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 share a magical moment with. You know some really good people. I, you know, I wish you and Rich were playing, but um, to share it with Matt, who, who I've shared a football pitch with before, and, and to you know everyone else that's going to be involved is going to be a you know a fantastic occasion. And if you you can get time to come down and and support us and support the charity, anything that is made by the game, I believe is going to mind. So please do uh, come and support us. You know, it's a very important cause. You know, especially men's mental health, women's, and 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 especially with everything that's going on with in the trans community at the moment as well, um, is very important to support people who are going through tough times. So any sort of support, love, uh, whether that be through donations or through, you know, retweeting and, and spreading this on social media is much appreciated and much loved. So 2nd of June, everyone, please. Yeah, Give there us we as go. much support as you can. I don't think I could sum it up any better, so... I won't, but yes, the links in the description if, if you're able to donate. Of course, we'll be whacking out loads of content and stuff um, over the coming weeks and months. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it'll be a fantastic day because the other one was superb as well. Um, we will be back, guys, to part three of this when I accidentally, when recording, <laughs> accidentally cuts out again. No, we'll be back um, to preview the Leicester game later this week and hopefully another Wolves victory because I, I don't don't quite know what I'll be doing next Sunday if we've won three on a bounce Ge- genuinely got I, 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 I might be even more giddy than I already am 
Well, I'm on a stag do next weekend, and I've had to ask myself the question legitimately: Is it really rude of me to leave a stag do midway through to go to Leicester? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, is where, that rude? I don't know. The question is, is where? The question is where's the stag do? Uh, he won't listen. He won't listen to this. So it's up in it's up in Liverpool. So you know, oh. it's, it's pretty much midway. But you know, if I was to go really off 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 piste, so I might I might disappear for a few hours. Yeah, I reckon you can sneak off. You can sneak off. But make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We're at Wolves Fancast. As I mentioned, um, make sure you check out our Just Giving page for our charity football match. Um, it's in the YouTube description and pinned on our socials as well. And shouts out to uh, 90 Minute Football Network as well. But until next time, it's goodbye from Stu. The whole week we don't moan about VAR. I know. I'm literally. I, I literally skip. You know what? I thought. Do we want to talk about it? Do we want to? We literally had. Um, so um, one of our regular listeners, um, you know, come in. What's your opinion on the penalty in VAR this week? You know what? It doesn't matter. No. Freedom. Yeah, because they they recovered from it. They they literally mentally recovered from it to go. You know what? It doesn't matter. Let's focus on scoring. But it should have been a penalty, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like so, so much of this. This <laughs> goodbye from Matt. Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourself. Chicken on your pals, and have a great week ahead. It's goodbye from Jaffo. Sasagio. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time.